Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. What's up? Uh, it is November 1st. Uh, this is episode 69, Proto Ixalan. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we've got the Proto Ixalan this weekend uh, out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it's going to be. It, this is going to be interesting Pro Tour, to say the least. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that for sure in depth, like we usually do. You know, like you do. But yeah. Yeah. But first up, we're going to turn our eyes to the community, uh, as we as we are wont to do. And uh, the new top 25 rankings are out uh, after the results of Grand Prix Phoenix. And uh, we have a new number one in hashtag Baywatch with Reed Duke. Yeah, I, I put in the notes, I slightly vomited in my mouth with use of Bay. But, <laughs> I mean, I kind of had to with that. But yeah, Reed Duke, number one, uh, off of his second place finish after... Uh, GP Phoenix this past weekend, where yep. the winner was a, according to the headline blurb on the Magic website, a Navy vet Tetris competitor because he was like top sixteen in like the world's Tetris competition like the week before the Grand Prix. Which oh, is, no. oh man, yeah. Um, uh, student and nicest guy in Magic candidate is Sean Miller. Uh, so he took down Reed Duke two to one in the finals at Phoenix, which was limited, so it was a draft, which is pretty cool. Yep, and. Yeah, so he's number he's number one. Uh, other notable people in like in terms of moving, so he bumped Paulo down to number two. Uh, I mean, Paulo's Her- still going to be up in the rankings for a, for a while. Oh yeah, uh, Owen. Yeah, he's at seventy five points. Um, the next place person is Marcio Carvalho with seventy two. So he's got at least a three point cushion on him, and he's not dropping out of the top five because he has uh, eight. Seven or eight points over Brad Nelson in fifth, so he's not dropping out any chance. But it's sixth place and seventh place are Reed's t- PGO teammates, William Jensen and Owen Turtenwald. World champion Huey Jensen. Yeah, world champion Huey Jensen and Owen Turtenwald. Like, the PGO, like, as a team, is in the top I mean, ten in the is world. Is there a better trio in Magic? I'm not sure there is. <laughs> Name a more iconic trio, I dare you. <laughs> iconic yeah yeah anyways um but yeah uh brian braun doing jump five spots uh don't know who really dropped off the list because they don't really tell it but i thought they had a whatever there weren't really a a couple of uh new it's the usual suspects yeah it's the usual suspects but the top 25 is still pretty stacked um we're going to talk about a bunch of these names later in the show with the pro tour because the team stuff is coming back and it looks pretty spicy yeah but before and we get to that from the vaults yes. is coming back we already kind of knew the name but we got artwork today two yes cards. we did yeah we got the free new friend of the vault transform was coming out and people have been asking probably for the last month or so like are are we going to find out what what's in it and it appears to be flip cards. We see um, what's in the Liliana box. Heretical Healer. We see uh, new art for Delver of Secrets and new art for Hutmaster of the Fells. So the funny thing is, is right now, like the Twitter art, the Twitter MTG art, like circles, like people are asking, like, "Oh, I think Delver was done by this person," and everyone's just like, "Really? No." <laughs> Victor was uh, Victor Don McGangs. He was like. Someone was saying it was this other person based on how the hands look. And it's like, oh, come on, man, really? And I'm like, was it Victor? Because it doesn't look like Victor's style. But Huntmaster of the Fells is now a woman and obviously done by Magali Villeneuve, which she looks amazing. She has been killing it. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, if, if We'll put a link to... Okay, so they came up through um, the WPN, the Windows Play Network... So the stores kind of thing, their materials got updated today for the zip file that includes the two photos for it, which is not bad. Fun thing to note, you mentioned Flip Lily from uh, Magic Origins. People were like, okay, if it's Transform, we're going to get Jace Finch Prodigy. Literal actual baby Jace, nowhere to be seen. People are like, are they literally not going to print the, like, I guess the poster child for flip cards right now? Well, I think it. the big thing is that we don't know what the full list is. We only know these three cards because uh, usually when you get it from the vault, there's a little flap that you open and you see like three kind of like quote face cards at the front um, because there's usually about 15 cards. 
um, in these sets, and they go all over the place. They do kind of try to do color balance, so you should probably see a few red, a few green cards, and all that. Yeah. Um, Honestly, the the transform list is not that long. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a few discussions on Twitter about how, um, like Wedge from the Mana Source did a, a top fifteen flip cards or transform cards, we should say, and there were not a lot <laughs> that were like valuable monetarily in the secondary market or are super iconic. I mean, Delver and Huntmaster both very iconic. Because um, of Huntmaster's play in Jun back when it was yes. the deck du jour. Still sees a little play in Modern, not as much anymore, but well, even a sta- little play. Even standard Jun, too. It was like, yes. yo, jam that in there. Yes. Um, so, but yeah, Flip Lily being the face instead of Flip Jace is kind of weird. Um, but I would expect maybe two of the Flip Planeswalkers to be in there. Arlen Cord might. I could see Arlen Cord being in there. Although I don't know if they would do two red green cards. Yeah, I mean with Huntmaster and Arlen. I'll tell you this: I, we're I can see Garrick. Not, we're probably not getting. Oh yeah, Garrick Relentless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could probably see him getting in there for sure. We're probably not going to see Ulrich. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to see Ulrich. Yeah, we're not. Was, no. no, that that was a disappointment and a half. Well, not with least. three. Like, I think two red green cards is too many. Like oh, for, no, no. for no, monocolor just, cards, it's fine. For gold cards, it's a little harder. I think to justify that in a from the vault. Oh no, I'm just talking like Ulrich. As the character and the card itself, you know. Oh yeah, the no, head, no. The he, head of the werewolf things on Innistrad, and it was just like a thud. He was a very powerful card. He just wasn't what people wanted him to be. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. Anyways, that's on the horizon. Uh, people have also been getting unstable preview cards, so we'll be looking forward to seeing those. Uh, we did get some information about Rivals of Ixalan for game day and whatnot. Uh, we'll just talk about this briefly because Silvergill Adept is being reprinted and it's also one of the game day promos, which is awesome. And then, um, I forget the name of the stupid dinosaur. It's a 12 and a 12, 12 trample that costs one less for each power your creatures have oh, in yeah. mono green. I can't remember the name either. Oh, right. We're just talking about Silvergill Adept and Magali. Like she's doing artwork for the new Silvergill Adept, which is going to be in Rivals of Ixalan. It's also today's, um, uh, wallpaper. It looks so Good. Basically, Magali, you're killing it. Keep it up. Love you, girl. Keep it up. Yes. Anyways, we got a Pro Tour to talk about. Yeah, we do. Because the Pro Tour is, like we said this weekend, out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, As always, you can find it streamed on twitch.tv slash magic. And the the replays will be clipped in Twitch for the weekend. And then they'll be later uploaded to YouTube. So if you are busy this, this weekend, that's fine. Um... Uh, Albuquerque is that is it on Mountain Time or is it on Pacific Time? Uh, it is New Mexico. I believe it's Pacific. I could be wrong. Well, in any that case, said, that said, insert wheel out Weird Al Yankovic joke here. By the way, a anyways, <laughs> um, it's going to be starting at nine a.m. local time. Um, so probably around eleven to noon Eastern time, depending on which of those two time zones it is. Actually, we'll we'll look it up, but. Um, as always, the Pro Tour is the usual format. Three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday is three rounds of Ixalan Giraffe, followed by five rounds of Standard. Then everyone who is four and four or better makes day two. Saturday, a, go for it. Oh, no, I was going to say it's Mountain Time. Oh, Mountain Time. Okay, so that would be 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eastern Time. Perfect. Yes. Saturday, second verse, same as the first. Three rounds of Ixalan Giraffe, five rounds of Standard with a cut to top eight. And then on Sunday... The eight, there's an eight-person seated bracket for the championship. Now, one thing to know, we just mentioned the time. It does. It is mountain time. Also on Sunday is daylight savings time for those that change over. Or it's daylight, yeah, daylight savings time ends to go back to standard time. So everything's going to be an hour later because fall clocks, back. Yeah, the clocks fall back an hour. Forgot about that. Thank you oh, for reminding me. Yes, you're welcome. I, I realized that right before the podcast and tweeted about it. And I was like, oh, God, that's right. It's that time of year where sun sets before 5 p.m. <laughs> because yeah. living up in Washington, we're a little higher up in terms of the uh, lat- or latitudes. Yeah, that's it, latitude. I'm like, not longitude. Longitude's the long ones. I always yeah. remember, I remember latitude is like side to side and longitude goes like doesn't end because it goes around it's weird 
but yeah, no, we're at higher latitude than uh, where I was in Texas. So like, even just that difference is enough to add like at least like an extra forty minutes of sunlight. Yeah, I remember when I was I did a summer trip to Minnesota in high school, and uh, the sun didn't set to like ten p.m. It was weird. Dude, it's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh what time is it 9 30 still light outside sweet anyways <laughs> basically if you want to if you want to find a time where there's either no sun or all sun live in alaska but hard pass uh exactly so uh the next thing is that this is the first full year for the team series because last year was the pilot year uh started in pro tour ether revolt went all the way through and at the pa- at the previous world championships we had the te- the team series the, the Team Series Finals, which happened. Uh, this year, it's going to be through all four Pro Tours, and uh, the top four teams will then compete for the team title at Worlds. Yep. And um, so we're going to talk about a bunch of these teams right now, but if you want a nice little in-depth, like kind of primer on like the top teams, um, we're going to put a link to this in the show notes, but Rich Hagon did a, another excellent write-up always go read his organized play articles um, on his preview for the Pro Tour and one of his whole sections covers the different tiers of teams. Yeah. So there's 37 teams that have signed up this year. 37. Which is a lot. Yeah, and each, each team has six per people so that's quite a lot to talk about so we're not going to talk about all of them because... Um, can... Also, a lot of these teams are are more, kind of more local um, and, and but some of these do span you know continents and the big thing to note is that Team Musashi, which was last year's champions, no changes. Come back, same as before. They're like one of the few teams that actually had zero changes at all. Yeah, which is interesting to see how, as we watch this team series kind of advance. Uh, the next team was Team Genesis, got second place. However, Genesis has now split into two teams, Genesis and Revelation, where Genesis is primarily the North American members and Revelation is the um, the European members. Yeah, so that those teams should be doing pretty good. Um, they go where's, where's Genesis list again right here. I had it lost. So it. Like Revelation has Martin Dong, Paul Dean, Tom Hendricks, Christopher Larson, Yoel Larson, and uh, Peter Soruchuk. Soruchuk. I yeah. I'm sorry. Genesis is Corey Baumeister, Lucas Blahan. BBD, Seth Manfield, Martin Mueller, and Brad Nelson, which is a stacked team. Uh, yeah. Corey Ballmeister and BBD joining the team this year. Yep. So the brothers are at it. So that should yeah, be Yeah, Corey Ballmeister and Brad Nelson being siblings. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, those, that should be a nice little addition to the team. So yeah. look for some cool stories of them. I mean, they did great. They they didn't have replaced – I don't even remember who the heck they replaced uh, – BBD and or who were uh, it was um, Warrior replacing uh, Mike Sigrist? No, not Sigrist. <laughs> Sigrist was on CFB Ice. Um, Come on, man, get the joke. I know, I I know the joke. I get the joke. I was trying to actually think and not be funny at the moment, mm, but now you're putting me on the spot. Um, it was the there was one of the uh, pro team pro members from Genesis who went to work at Wizards in play in play design. Michael Majors. Oh right, yes, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, other big thing is that Channel Fireball has consolidated from two teams to one team. Now they're just Team Channel Fireball, uh, led by the triumphant return of Luis Scott Vargas, and rounding out the team with Paulo Vitor Damadorosa, Martin Yuza, Mike Sigrist, Ben Stark, and Josh Utter Layton. So <laughs> five of the they're stacked. <laughs> yeah, the funny, the fun thing with that article from uh, Rich Hagan, Rich. He, put, he put it, he put it perfectly when talking about the team. It's like. How do you describe the team? It's like you basically where you could say that the former player of the year, Mike Sigris, could be the weakest player on the team. And that's an insult to Mike Sigris because he's an amazing player. Like, yeah, you've got five Hall of Famers in a player of the year. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Next, uh, the former team Puzzle Quest has now rebranded under Team Ultimate Guard, which they make sleeves and deck boxes. Which, By the way, the Ultimate Guard uh, Boulder deck boxes are insane. I, I saw were, a. They were sold out when I tried. I tried to go get them at a Car Kingdom the other week, and they were sold out. So I ended they're up really good. With one of, I went with their Sidewinder yeah. box instead, uh, which is also an amazing deck box. 
I saw a 300-pound man stand on one of the Ultimate Guard Boulder deck boxes, and it didn't so much as make a sound. Plus, they look great, too. They got, like, the light, nice little light, light um, iced effect on yes. there. But no, but anyways, they, I got the Sidewinder one, which is, you know, the one that has... It just opens up trifold off the top. The magnets are stupid strong. Like, I put... You know, the professor does his little deck box tests and stuff like that. How he'll yep. put his cards in there and, like, shake vigorously. Yep. That was me just shaking my Highlander deck, and it didn't move at all. Yeah. It's great. There's um, your there's your free advertisement, Ultimate Guard. You're welcome. Call, like your have products. your people call our people. <laughs> Anyways, Team Ultimate Guard is Andrew Cunha, Reed Duke, John Finkel, William Jensen, Paul Rietzel, and Owen Turtenwald. Yeah, so there's that PGO. <laughs> and they have a Hall of Famer in Paul Rietzel. And yeah. they have the literal goat John Finkel. And also yeah. Andrew Cunio, who is an amazing player. It, they're going to be a hard team to be able to compete with. Oh, yeah. like th- So when Rich broke down the teams, he broke them down into tiers. He had like tier four, which is like the very few, if notable pros. Those are like the ones that are like the local groups or whatever. Tier three, which is a couple grand prix winners and stuff like that they'll probably do some do well on the team beat grand prix and stuff like that but it's still not great tier two is like some of the up-and-comers have some people who've made day twos might have won a pro tour or something like that but aren't you know the high huge heavy gunner teams but it would be it would be a mild surprise to see them in the top four yeah um like one of them so coming from the scg circuit the metagame gurus have two teams and one of them is classified as a tier two. It's Metagun Guru's son, Josh Cho, Ben Friedman, Oliver Tu, Andre Strasky, Matt Severa, and Jerry Thompson. Some pretty notable players in there, and that's a tier two team. Like you have yeah. to be ridiculous to be a tier one. So And as as Rich puts them, they are the eight powerhouse teams. And uh Team Ultimate Guard's on there, Channel Fireball's on there, Genesis is on there, there's a few uh, Musashi's on there, there's a few others that we'll get to eventually as well that are on their this tier one list. Yeah. Um, One thing I like seeing is some of the, I kind of mentioned the metagame gurus, like other, you know, some of the card companies are sponsoring, like for instance, I have written down um, Card Hoarder, that, who also yep. cut their teeth at the SCG circuit with a lot of their players with the purposed intent of getting them geared up for Pro Tours. And it's working. They are, they're fielding two teams. Yeah. And the big which, thing with the second team, which was an amazing push, uh, because there were a lot of Brazilian pros who couldn't find a team. And we're not possibly going to be able to make pro tours if they didn't have some sort of sponsorship. And Card Hoarder was like, okay, Willie Edel, you need you need someone to sponsor you and your friends who live in Brazil. Here you go. Team Card Hoarder Brazil. Yeah. Um, they're taking the place mostly of Dex Army, uh, who yep. doesn't have a team this year because they had two in the last pro tour. But I guess the team didn't carry over. The sponsorships didn't. So Card Hoarder picked up the banner. Love seeing that kind of regional representation in Brazil. Speaking of regional representation, there's actually a team, MTG Sheep, which is a Chinese team. We have a, yep. a full Chinese team entering the fray according like, that's the literal words of the Magic website used for it, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Plagiarism's great. I mean, no, it's not. Um, but no, like, seeing a Chinese team and stuff like that, I mean, we already have, like, you know, the European squads and the Japanese squads, but we're seeing, like... And we've seen the Brazilian squads and stuff like that. We've also have, for example, returning from last year, Magic Corsairs crew is a is an essentially all French team. Yeah, like that is seeing, coming in. Seeing teams that you know had have storied backgrounds, like the French have been pretty good in World Magic competitions in the past. Like I love seeing the fact that yes, they are able to do that kind of thing. Um, and on that same line, uh, there, while there's no team Hararuya because they're kind of split up among like Musashi and Kusumono, which is a newer team, uh, they have Hararuya Latin. Which includes Lucas Esper Perthud, Marcio Carvalho, Sebastian Pozzo, uh, Carlos Romao, Luis Salvato, and Tiago Saparito. Yeah, so you're getting a lot of Latin America's players and Portugal, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know whatever. But no, it's some of these regional representation teams. I really like. Um, it helps, like for instance, like what Willie Adel did with Brazilian players is he helped usher them through, like. From everything that I've ever read and everything I've ever watched in terms of Brazilian players playing, the hardest thing they have is travel. Yeah. It's a huge country. You could have a great player be isolated in one part of that country and not know the ins and outs of travel visa system. Apparently their visa system is all kinds of messed up. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, we even seen PV talk about it. Like, 
having issues traveling to the States and PV travels all the time and he still has travel issues. It's like, yeah. that says, that speaks volumes. So like somebody who's never done this, trying to qualify for a world, for a pro tour, that's probably in Australia is like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to get there. But Willie Adele's like, I know how to do it. Let me yeah. show you how. He's also a great mentor for the Brazilian magic community. Oh, absolutely. Um, one other last thing that I've noticed just by scrolling through, there is a all German team of Phoenix 404. Um, that is participating in the uh, in the Pro Tour team series. Nice. Which is which has a uh, all German Magic Squad featuring multiple first timers alongside longtime competitor Florian Koch. 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 I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Either way, we apologize for butchering names. Yes. Um, <laughs> either way, so I kind of picked out a team. I don't know if John's picked that one, but I, I have to root for this team, even though I have no, like, there's no way they're going to take it down. No offense, guys. That's definitely one of the tier three or four teams. But Child's Play Charity is, is fielding a team, and <laughs> with my Desert Bus stuff, I got to back them. I, I knew you would. At the moment I saw on the show notes you were listening there, the team I have to back, and I was like, it's Child's Play, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. So it's. Simon Nelson from Denmark, uh, Anthony Lee, Zen Takahashi, Gerard Fabiano, David Mines, and Sam. Oh God, I'm gonna butcher your last name. Tharmatam. I can't. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try it. Sam Tharmatam. I don't know. Tharmoratanam. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's a long last name. Apologies, Sam. It again. I apologize. So it's got three gold pros, two silver pros with an extra invite. And that's Zen, Takashi, and Gerard Fabiano. And a bronze pro they bring along. It's Anthony Lee. So that's kind of cool. Um, definitely love to see that things that have kind of dealt with magic in a way, like Child's Play being based out of Washington, Watsy being based out of Washington, they do have a lot of kind of intermeshing. I know Wizards does a lot of stuff um, helping out with Child's Play charity events, like donating stuff to Desert Bus, and also... Uh, cool items at their charity dinner that they do every year it's just great to see something like that kind of come in hopefully more companies who have kind of a passing working relationship with wizard of the coast start fielding more teams granted obviously 37 teams of six people that's a lot of teams it's a lot of teams you're, you're not gonna get the highest quality after obviously a couple of the top tier ones as well but it's always cool to see that kind of representation happen. And if it brings a couple people who would never really played together before together and they make new friends. Awesome. Yeah. And speaking of a new team, uh, the, this is a team to, to keep your eye on is connected company, which a love the play on the name. It's also a tier one team, by the way, it's also a tier one team. Christian Calcano, Jeremy Dizani, Javier Dominguez, Rafael Levy, Andrea Mangucci, and Tomoharo Saito. It's a, it's a great team of, like they said, like uh, Rich said, a couple years ago, you would have been like, okay, I know two names on this team, but now you're like, all right, those are some good players. Like Javier Dominguez, where did you hear that name recently? Oh, right, second at the World Championship to Huey. <laughs> yep. They have the recent runner-up and just Tamaharo Saito. I mean, geez. Yes. Christian Calcano, it- the calculator, the, ga- the, G- the GP grinder. Yep. Like, he's on that team. Like, Raph Levy, yep. amazing player. Andre Mangucci, yep. amazing player. Jeremy Dizani, great player. Like, yep. I saw that team, and I was like, damn. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Drop has is fielding two teams again, East and West. Um, there's a few names that kind of switch places. Uh, most notably is that uh, Sean McLaren, notable kind of lone wolf, tests with his brother up in Canada, is on Drop West. Yeah, he finally finally got on a team, and you know what? Good. He's a good player, so, you know. Oh, yeah, that's why I say, like, I mean, I get the lone wolf testing thing worked for him in the past. Got it. But, like, I feel like he's going to make that team better with his own strategies and stuff that he he brings to the table, which is great. Exactly. If you want to see the full list of the team rosters, there is a link in the description that you can go and uh, click and scroll through the teams at your leisure. Because as much fun as it's going to be rooting for the teams and figuring out how the team series is going to go, they have to play Magic. And at the Pro Tour, that means Draft and Standard. So, Also, also well, one thing before we get off the teams. I do like some of the... They cleaned up a lot of the logos. That was the one issue we had last year, remember? 
Yes. It's not the logos were a little meh. The, the, some of the teams kept their logo and, you know, tweaked it just a little bit. But overall, I think it looks a lot better this year from some of the ones last year. Because I know they tweaked the guidelines for the logos. 100% agree. So, drafts. The Pro Tour starts with it. So why not we start with it? Sure. Uh, consensus has been that this format is still very fast. That you want to build a curve with, you want to build a deck with a good curve. You want to put swashbucklings on your pirates. You want to use skullduggery to help win multiple, to win like two parts of combat. And you just want to be fast. Yeah, it's you got to go. You got to be like Sonic. Got to go fast. But I, I've been doing my. You know, just clicking through articles and all that kind of good stuff and reading what the pros think and the hey this is the what would you like what's the pick kind of thing articles especially on fireball from huey love reading his articles about that and his you always give a little drop down things you can be like okay what would it pick i'm going to say this one and the side thing about this one okay cool fun thing to note too is so kind of jumping around but last week with pro tour or not pro tour gp phoenix is that it was a Channel Fireball run event. So kind of got a little tiny preview of what might to become in the coming year in terms of like between round things. They had a lot of their pro players that, that write articles for them doing pack one, pick ones, explaining why this is, keeper mulls, stuff you'd read in articles and they're putting them as like slides in between rounds. And that was such a nice little addition, especially for a limited format. And also like Ben Stark's top, 10 blue cards top 10 red cards top 10 rares in general it was a nice little filler thing yeah that said reading some of the articles and all those kind of things they love two drops there are some really good two drops in this format oh yes i mean i remember hearing several conversations about how the best common in the set is territorial hammer skull which is two and a white for a two three dino that whenever it attacks tap target creature and opponent controls yeah, that card is just ridiculously good. And you have a strictly better bear in, uh, God, it's the one in a white 2-2 two, two with lifelink. It's, oh, it's Bishop my, Soldier. That's it, yeah, the Bishop Soldier. Like, jam that in all your white decks regardless of vampire strategy. Yeah. Especially if you can combat trick it up and, like, trade up with it or just get a nice chunk of life gain out of it. It's super solid card. Yeah. Uh, there's a great article on the uh, Mothership from uh, Marshall Sutcliffe about drafting that went up on Halloween uh, and how the baseline is the format is very fast uh, and how there's like some of the archetypes that are a little less draftable, mainly because uh, lack of two drops or like necessarily, or maybe lack of synergy. Uh, one of the ones that he kind of mentions is green black Explorer, which I have drafted and you need to make sure that you stabilize, but this wild is growth rocker is insane. Yeah. So the, the issue with like that kind of, so usually when you're drafting a archetype, this is a weird set in that it's a tribal-based set because you're looking more for the type line as opposed to mechanic line. Usually you'd be like, oh, I'm blue-red prowess, kind of thing like that. Or, you know, in your case, you said green-black explore. The explore mechanic is a great mechanic. However, when tribal mechanics are being pushed more than keyword mechanics... You kind of definitely got to go tribal. And the other big thing there is that a lot of the tribal payoffs are like at rare or at uncommon, and you're not going to see them all the time. And so you might have like a blue-green merfolk deck that might not actually be playing like 15 merfolk. You might be playing like 9 or or 10, depending on like how the, how the packs break and how like how many merfolk are opened. And you'll absolutely um, take whatever river shapers you see in the later packs. Exactly. Oh, even though, even if you don't need a creature and you're like, mm, I'm blue green merfolk mostly solidly. I need this over like a potential like fight spell potential. Right, and it's just one of those. It's it's not as tribal as Lorwyn, where Lorwyn was like on a scale of one to ten, Lorwyn was an eleven. Yeah, um, I think that Ixalan probably falls around like the five range. I'd say maybe up to eight. But you're gonna get absolutely punished if you start going into a certain tribal aspect. And then just get cut off. Yeah, because like you can start drafting Merfolk, but if you never see the Merfolk payoffs, you just have a bunch of Merfolk. Or if you're drafting Dinos and you don't see the Dino payoffs or whatever. Um, I mean, the decks are good. I mean, Red Green Dinos is one of the best decks. So is Red White Dinos. 
Black Red Pirates, but it's still one of those things where you kind of have to figure out what your lane is in. And I mean, everyone talks about finding your lane, finding what's open in your seat. And being a tribal set, it's a lot more important to find out what's open in your seat. Because I can't tell you how many times I've drafted this set where I've taken a rare in one tribe and had to pivot into an entirely different tribe. Oh, yeah. Like, that's like this is absolutely a format where never get married to your first pick. <laughs> yeah. Like, just just don't. If if you try to be like, oh, I got this super bomb rare in Pirates. Let me fort. Like, I just opened Admiral Beckett Brass. Let me force Pirates. Like, good luck finding the fixing. Like, yeah. Hey, don't, don't be three colors. A. Well, well, here's the thing about like a, a Beckett Brass deck is if you if you're already hedging into a two color pirate theme, so one of the two color combinations that make up Grixis in any of the three forms of it, and you get a late Admiral Brass just because she's ro- falling, rolling around the table because nobody wants her, like great, cool, splash that one color for one card because if you can find a couple little bits of fixing or. If you're in pirates, you're going to have treasure most likely, so that should help. Like that's really one of the few colors where instances where you actually want to splash that extra color in there. Yeah, yeah, fixing's bad. I tried a three color pirate deck that was like heavy three colors, and it did not work. Well, speaking of fixing though, at the GP, uh, oh god, I can't remember the name of it. New Horizons. Yeah, New Horizons was a word that I heard the commenters mentioned a lot. <laughs> It is the best fixer. It jumped up massively on people's valuation list lately just because, I mean, granted, you do, if you don't have, like, remember we mentioned, we mentioned two drops. Getting two drop down, so then you go two drop into three drop with that new horizon, so you actually have a place to put that counter, is massive. If you don't have that two drop and you just kind of fart your curve away and you fart that counter away, it can be brutal later on. Yeah. Like, imagine getting that bishop, 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 yeah, bishop's soldier. Ugh down on turn two and then getting to untap go instantly new horizons make it a three three lifelinker start bashing that's a huge tempo swing in your favor yeah it is huge also sequencing that kind of thing you really also need to kind of pay more attention to just because of little intricacies like that like you might need to get a kapala down if you are just happen to be lucky enough to open a kapala in a merfolk deck before you start slamming the rest of your bombs for your merfolk and like start your payoff merfolk cards like give it that protection because there's some kill spells out there there certainly are there are a lot of them um i think that basically does it for draft there's not a whole lot that we can say outside of like we're going to see the pros draft it and we're going to see what their strategies are well it's going to see where they're where they decide to line up well we can we just want one little more thing on draft is that we kind of didn't really hammer too hard yet about the fact that this is a late pro tour. We have not had a pro tour this late in a season in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Like, again, I'm going to reference that article Rich wrote. Usually Magic Online, they actually kind of bumped it up the last, like, set or two with Amaket and Our Devastation where, like, you got to draft it actually the weekend it came out with pre-release, so they had a week or two to, like, get some drafts in before you were probably getting maybe three to four days where you had a shot to get drafts in in a window before the pro tour started. Yeah. Like it, it hit like that Monday or whatever. And then you had Tuesday, now it's Wednesday. A month. You had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and bam, you're going on Friday for that pro tour. Now you got to, yeah. like, we had a month. Like the draft archetypes are set. You're not going to be bringing any kind of like crazy draft thing out of the middle of nowhere because odds are someone's already found it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Or oh, is yeah. very comfortable with it. But speaking of that comfortableness and of archetypes being well-known, standard, again, we've had a month plus to see what this uh, whole meta brings to the table. Yeah, it, uh, my biggest thought about standard is that in previous seasons, with previous Pro Tours, where the Pro Tours like two weeks after the set releases, you know, people wait until the Pro Tour to see what the meta looks like. And even when it's a mistake, and when the there's a there's a deck that spikes the pro tour that's good, literally nowhere else. Yeah, it's like it's for like, example, hey, this was a medical. magic origins with blue, red, and soul artifact. Look, Not man, good anywhere else. That was a hilarious deck, and people still brought it, it to the tables at F and M's. But 
if you were talking serious competition. Well, another thing is too, you have to talk about when it was like the second or third week of the season, you really only had the data points from a couple days worth of Magic Online results and one Star City Games open and the classic of that week. You had like two to three events worth of stuff plus maybe a smattering of online results. So pros had to figure the format out for themselves, figure out what kind of metagame might look good. Now we know what a metagame looks like for this Ixalan standard. Yeah, not only have we had Worlds, but we've had U.S. Nationals and other national tournaments. I think we've had a GP. Yeah. And we've and we've had several, or maybe, well, most of the SG Opens have been modern lately, but they, we've had an SG Open and Standard. Like, it's not a secret where Standard's at right now. Yeah, like, for instance, when we for, like the first couple weeks of the season, we were seeing a lot of Teamer Energy splashing that black for Scarab God. To date, like, of note recently... I was scouring lists looking for Scarab God. Um, they've kind of been shunted off into their own category of like four color energy, and they aren't. People aren't playing that. They're literally stre- they're streamlining the crap out of the Teamer Energy deck. Like really, there's. I honestly don't know what kind of um, innovation you can bring to the table unless you're making metagame specific targeted innovations, much like the deck that Huey Jensen brought to World Championships. In that it was more geared to, okay, we know people are bringing Teamer Energy, we know they're bringing Mono Red, and we know they're bringing Blue Black Control. It's like when yeah. I, when you know that they were, you were going to be fighting two, uh, two three other deck archetypes and that was it, you can make a couple concessions that if you take that exact deck list and put it against tokens, it's not going to have a fun day against tokens because you're probably cutting a lot of your go-wide sweepers. Yeah. Because like the main, the main primary threats are Teamer Energy, as we would all expect. Mono Red, as we would all expect. And then the Esper Abzan tokens lists, uh, where you're using Anointed Procession and Hidden Stockpile and Legion's Landing and Marionette Master to kill people. Yeah, people are also like going with Soul Tie Energy because the green black counter strategy is still around, but they're bringing blue to the table for Hasha, Taker, and Scarab God. And Rogue Refiner is actually a great energy output as well. So it's using that kind of whiny constrictor, let me get some value kind of thing. But funnily enough, not really using uh, Verger's Gear Hulk anymore. It's it's fooling yeah. on the energy thing. But yeah, the token and go wide strategies, because let's be honest, there's not a lot of amazing sweepers. And the token lists are designed specifically to take advantage of sweepers, namely oh, fumi- yeah. fumigate. Like you get thirty tokens out and drop a fumigate, and you're ramen up red, and you're say so you're ramen up red, and you're against a tokens player, and they go fumigate, destroy all creatures. You're like, I've got a hazard on the board, but they just <laughs> but gained, they gained a ton. They of just life. gained fifty life. Yeah, that's a ten turn clock. Like, yeah. Hazard normally is like, you drop that, it's like, you have four turns to answer this. Now it's like, I got ten turns to answer that now. And I yeah. probably have a way to do it. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to bring Vinny on at some point to talk about the tokens decks, because he he's definitely an expert on those. Yeah, he, he saw, I know he saw, uh, in the testing group thing, I saw him be like, tokens, 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 tokens. I want to oh, test yeah. my tokens. Does anybody have this tokens? It's like, he, all right. He's, he's, <laughs> he's very good at it. Uh, not to be... Uh, that, that, that does seem like it up his alley, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, not to be left out, there's still plenty of control. We got blue-black and blue-white control, as we would all expect. Uh, the latest deck that's been kind of seeing play is blue-red is blue no, blue no red Approach, where you get to play Sunburge Invocation to win instantly with your approaches, which is great. Yeah, I, I do enjoy the fact that they have kind of tweaked that innovation... It's cheeky and I like it. <laughs> it really is. Um, and vehicles are still here. <laughs> yep. Marty vehicles is still a good deck. It's not as explosive as it once was. Kaladesh Cal- Cal- dot deck. Yep. Still very good. Still very very powerful. Um. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how standard plays out in this instance because, like you mentioned, it's really late and I. I have not heard as many people saying wait until the pro tour to see what the meta looks like because you're already, like to be fair all of this basically doesn't matter in a month and a half. 
Exactly, because we're going to have Rivals coming out soon. Like, when Rivals' uh, preview season starts, what, mid-December? Uh, late December, mid, like, late December, early early January. We're going to basically another Christmas Christmas present for that kind of thing. Yes. But this time, it's literally Christmas. I know I say that every time. I hate it's myself. Lo- yeah. <laughs> but this time, it's literally Christmas season. Yay. No, Yay. um, but we, like I said, we already got some Rivals of Ixalan thing, and if Silver Gill Adept reprint is any kind of indication, like, maybe we might see standard Merfolk. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Honestly, we, honestly, I would be surprised. Just just be blatantly honestly, I would be stupidly surprised if somebody had a competition viable Merfolk deck in standard. Uh, right now, yeah, I would, I would be very surprised as well. I mean, I could see someone deciding to come to the tournament with, like, the Team of Miracle Road deck that Saffron Olive played with. But that seems a little a little cheeky to me. That sounds like that'd be a deck piloted by maybe a lone wolf. Yeah. Trying to attack at an angle that no one expects. Yeah. Which is uh, what I think we're going to see with the, with a Pro Tour meta busting deck. It's, it's not going to be someone coming out of left field. Excuse me. It's not going to be someone coming out of left field. It's, it's going gonna... to be somebody coming out from the dugout who is specifically playing this deck to beat everyone else. It's like, I found that this deck has great game against the meta. Let's... Yeah. Or like the top five decks in the format, I've got good matches against that. Let me hope to God that my limited skills can carry me, kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, hell, we might. I mean, look, it's a pipe dream. We're going back to Dominaria, one time Lord of of Atlantis reprint. What? <laughs> <laughs> You're more likely to see Master of the Pearl Trident, unfortunately. I don't care, man. That'd be great. And I another, agree. Another. Master- I agree with you. And then we're getting a core set coming up too. Jam it in there. Let's do this. Standard Merfolk. <laughs> Woo! Uh, whatever. Please, sure... no, don't. <laughs> Just like, you know, all the fish players. I mean, to be fair, like, it's kind of funny how Ixalan has influenced modern, at least in terms of the. Uh... Yeah, we, we talked about it last week, yeah. Yeah, we did. How it influenced the Merfolk decks. Funnily enough, so speaking of Ixalan influencing decks, we kind of did talk about it last week with the. Um, Kite self freebooters. Again, going on a side note here. Good lord, the pieces of that deck are spiking. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. The deck's hilarious. Okay, but so this happens the- every time there's a modern pro tour and something spicy wins. Well, it's not even like a pro- De- Death Shadow wins. Oh, you know, it was Jund or oh, it was Twin oh, yeah, or whatever. Ancient Ziggurat spiking because yeah, no, I'm not surprised. Like literally, the only card in the deck that it doesn't, it literally doesn't cast mana for. So Ancient Ziggurat, it taps add any mana of any color to your mana pool can only be used to cast creature spells. The deck literally plays for Aether Vial and the rest of creatures. So it's... Uh, oh, yeah, for spells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of non-creature spells, it's only for Aether Vial. So, cool. All right, whatever. whoop the freaking do Just sequence <laughs> it out properly and you're good to go. Um, but, no, the real jump that hit was Meddling Mage. Yep. Like, it was a $5, $6 rare for forever, and now it's a $25, $26 card. Yep. Kitesail Freebooter. Hell of a drug, it really is. I would, I would love to see a competition viable pirate deck, but odds are we probably won't get enough out of rivals to make one good. We'll just get you know piece here and piece there, but we'll see. I think I agree with one of the sentiments. I think I think it was actually also Saffron Olive who said this: how he thinks that um, rivals is going to have a lot more payoffs for for vampires and merfolk because they wanted Ixalan to be splashy for dinos and pirates because they're the new stuff, and then they'll add in some. Some spice for the other ones, like Silvergill Adept. Yeah, um, vampires. Unfortunately, we we got man. The timing on these sets kind of stunk for you know losing vampire synergies with uh, Innistrad. But yeah, I I read somewhere. I think it was from Mark Rosewater where they said they realized that Ixalan was a tribal set too late in development, so yeah. they couldn't precede the tribes. Yeah, which stinks. But yeah, and we mentioned. I think we mentioned that last week too. But yeah, might have not being able to precede tribes. Hopefully, they you know realize with the way rotation might be working now that hopefully they're able to course correct. For I mean, we are getting core sets back, so hooray! We'll see. There's also a great article from last week by Mike Rosewater about how they changed the um, the internal um, like terms. So instead of de- design and development, there's exploratory design then there's card design and then there's play, there's play design i might be messing up the titles but that's roughly what it is is that there's now um 
basically there's exploratory design and then there's develop there's design and then play design kind of hops in intermittently yeah helping it's, with costing and, and effects and whatnot yeah i i'm really interested to see where mad wizards is going to go with the future with rivals coming up but we do have the pro tour standard should be interesting again all time 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 kind of thing that's the future we're in the present now but we've seen results for the last month and a half in the past and can can the meta be different honestly i just think it's going to come down to who can play the team or energy mirror the best (laughs) i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that a tokens deck wins now all right I don't, to be fair, I don't think that's a super far of a limb to go on because those token decks are stupidly powerful when they cook off. And all I have to say to those who are going to watch this weekend, hi, I'll see you in chat, but be prepared for some stupid looking board states. Yeah. We're talking uh, green, white, um, megamorph style. Yeah. Uh, wait, what was the deck one? It, yeah, it was, was, it was, it was uh, green, megamorph? white, manifest. Manifest, that's the one. Yeah. With, well, with Whisperwood Elemental. Yeah, look for board states similar to that kind of crap this weekend. It's going to be disgusting. It really is. Hopefully the players and wizards bring enough tokens. <laughs> that Owen Turtenwald tweet really just gets my grill. <laughs> he tweeted during the, the during the sta- during um, Nationals that um, he came to the tournament without any tokens, so he hopes he's on camera because he doesn't have any tokens or dice. Oh, God. <laughs> Now, that's one thing I learned at my very first GP is like, because I've seen on, co- like, you know, you watch coverage is like, oh, yeah, people wait. Okay, they get a token. That's only in the coverage area. <laughs> I yeah, they have all I, the tokens neatly laid out. I learned when I got every single type you'll need. Yeah, I learned when I got there because I, my very first GP was standard 2014 Grand Prix San Antonio Thanksgiving. So it was cons standard. And I was on Obzon Whip. The only tokens that I needed insect tokens for hornet queen on the whip back i couldn't find any because they were spiking because everybody was playing hornet queen (laughs) yeah so i had to like literally every vendor when i went to i was like oh crap i need these tokens don't i went to every vendor every vendor was sold out i think except for channel fireball which had one left and i bought it for like a dollar fifty yeah rk post had a bunch so i just used his exactly so check the artist if you need tokens but exactly it should be fun i'm looking forward to it uh like i said i'll be in chat most of the weekend um not entirely sure on saturday yet it depends on what goes on because i have a pauper tournament that's on saturday rags to riches the latest one is on saturday as well so i might not be hey. in chat for that one pauper's fun but i have I, I thought i had a clear friday schedule and i took a couple days off for personal stuff to just you know I've been busy this year. I needed a couple He's been days. Real busy. I needed a couple days to like get my personal affairs in order. Um, but I thought I had Friday off. Then I have a couple of appointments that cropped up with meeting up with some people. So might not be around the whole day, but I'll be around part of the day for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'll see you in chat for sure for the top eight on Sunday. All right. I'll be popping in and out here and there. Uh, I I'm I'm interested to see how. The, how the event goes so yeah oh that's one It'll thing I, I forgot to put that in, in the notes i'm actually curious so we're kind of getting really close to when channel fireball takes over the grand prix we've seen some kind of innovations in terms of like i mentioned the between uh round and between game filler content pro tours always come hard and heavy with their broadcast crews they're great Especially, we didn't even mention the broadcast crews this time. So Rich and Maria are going to be at the desk. You've got Chion and Simon Gertsen as the yep. uh, experts in the booth. And the play-by-plays are going to be my boy Tim Willoughby. you got Riley Knight, who is just a hoot in the booth on watching on coverage. And Marshall. And uh, BDM, obviously, will be getting work in the room like he usually does, getting the stories and stuff like that on the floor. It's going to be fun. I'm really curious to see if they bring any kind of cool new innovations because it is, you know, the new season. If they bring any new little tweaks and things here to the 
And will it have any kind of, you know, like CFB inspired thing? I, I'm really curious to see how CFB running GPs, if it crosses over to any kind of pro tour stuff or not. Or are we going to hear the for like 30 minutes? No offense, guys. And I get it. Music commissioning is not the easiest thing in the world, but it's also not cheap. It's not cheap either. But also, it's this late in the season, and we've heard that at all the GPs this season, and I swear. <laughs> it's epic. It's cool. But by this point, it's old. <laughs> yeah, it it is old. I agree. No offense. But, but, but Grant, uh, Channel Fireball did do a nice job. They have a rotating playlist of some weird songs. It's just, I guess, free-ish. I think it's royalty-free music. Yeah, royalty-free kind of music. Who knows? We might get some new stuff like that. It'd be a cool we'll thing to bring. But, like I mentioned, I'll be in chat. You can find me in chat at on my Twitch handle but as Dix, D-I-X. Also exactly. on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, we're just popping right just, into the social just, media just, thing. Just, just roll on in it. We don't it's even fine. need a social media intro anymore. No, it's, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well <laughs> at Dixonij. It's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Um, I'll be tweeting a bunch about the Pro Tour probably this weekend. No apologies at all um, sorry John, not sorry yeah hashtag sorry not sorry at all john where can they find you you guys can find me on social media at jwiley129 i'm also on twitch at the same handle so if you see me in chat don't hesitate to say hi uh if you want to reach the podcast directly you can do so on twitter at eyes on the mize or you can shoot if you have a more personal question shoot us an email at eyes on the mize at gmail.com because we would best love to hear your feedback about how we can best improve the podcast for you our loyal listeners Uh, On behalf of Ian, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.